0: There are two foundational texts that we are going to exegete and break down for the finale of our Planted series. First, we're going to go to John chapter 14, the gospel of John chapter 14. We're going to launch our reading at verse 1, and then we're going to do a little hopscotch and go over to the gospel of Luke chapter 17. John chapter 14, verse 1, and then we're going to hop over or hop back towards the Gospel of Luke chapter 17 verse 11 if you're ready would you shout at your boy I'm ready. I'm ready It says let not your heart be troubled this is Jesus speaking to his disciples he says let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe in me also in my father's house are many mansions If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. I have some things prepared for you. I'm working ahead of you. I'm in your future on today. I'm preparing a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may also be, and where I go, you know, and the way, you know. How do we know the way? By knowing him. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. I don't know which way to go. Do you know me? Then you know the way. (laughs) so good. The disciples were feeling some type of way because Jesus was about to be crucified. And he was telling them, listen, what I'm about to do, y'all can't follow me here. I have to defeat death, conquer sin, die on the cross, and I'm going to raise on the third day with all power in my hand. And then I'm going to give you keys of the kingdom. I'm going to use you to establish my church. And then I prepare a place for you in heaven. Not only is there a place prepared for you in the earth and on the earth, I also have a place prepared for you in heaven. Is there anybody that's like, I want to see that? I prepared a place for you. And then when we go to the gospel of Luke chapter 17, verse 11, if you're there, say, I got it. If you don't have it, just look up on the screen. <laughs> I want to maximize my time because I have a lot I want to share with you. Um, it says, now on his way to Jerusalem, speaking of Jesus once again, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Verse 12, and as he was going into Jerusalem, A village, please don't skip that, before he goes in. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, and as they went, this is for somebody who's looking for God to do it now, but it's not gonna happen until you do it. As they went, they were cleansed. Now I have to do some exegesis because that verse by itself is loaded. I could do a whole sermon from just verse 14. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you why. Because in those days when somebody had leprosy, they were considered ceremonially unclean. So what had to happen is they would actually quarantine themselves. They couldn't be at the family functions. They could not be with all of their friends. They couldn't be in the church. They had to be outside the village. So this is why before Jesus went in, he met them because they weren't allowed to go in because they were unclean. So when Jesus told them, go show yourself to the priest, it almost appears as though Jesus is telling them to violate Mosaic custom. Because we're not supposed to be around people because we have leprosy. We're not supposed to go, oh wait, hold up. In Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, it says, anyone who has leprosy, go show yourself to the priest. Go show yourself to the priest, and they will verify if you are healed or healthy enough to join again with being with your family members. So maybe in their mind, they were like, we're not healed unless, as we go, we're going to experience the miraculous. Here's some for my note takers. The miracle is on the other side of your obedience. God, I want you to do it. You're not going to see it unless you obey It doesn't look possible. Obey me and watch me do the impossible. I don't know if it's going to happen, but he's going to heal you on the way. You're going to get clarity along the way. It's almost as though God is like a GPS. You go 30 miles, and I'm not saying nothing until it's time to turn. And you're wondering, God, am I going the right way? Just keep going that way, and you're going to find out the destination as you go. The first thing that stands out. The second thing that stands out is Jesus is really just telling them to follow the Mosaic law because in Leviticus 13 and 14, you're supposed to show yourself to the priest. Watch this though. When Jesus says, Show yourself to the priest, he was actually also providing messianic proof that he's the Messiah. Because if you research it, listen for all of my Bible students, if you study it, there has never been. A person who has had leprosy that was a Jew show themselves to the priest. None. In fact, Jesus says it this way. I want to give you Bible. In Luke chapter 4, verse 27, he says, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So really, when he's saying... Go show yourself to the priest. He's also saying, this is proof I'm the Messiah. Because there were biblical requirements that the chief priest believed that the Messiah would be. This is Isaiah chapter 35. I want you to see this. Isaiah chapter 35, verse 5. It says, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. And the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute or the tongue of the dumb will sing. So now it makes sense when John the Baptist was in prison and he was questioning if Jesus was really the Messiah, why Jesus does this. Give you more Bible, Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. It says, and when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Look at Jesus' answer. Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the preached and the poor have the gospel preached to them. So what is Jesus quoting? Really, Isaiah. See, if you don't know the word, you won't know when God's giving you a word. (laughs) So it's like, okay, if you want to know who I am, notice all the stuff that was prophesied about the Messiah. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. So when he said, go show yourself to the priest, study your Bible. You'll see no Jewish person ever had leprosy and showed themselves to the priest. So Jesus is really saying the Messiah is on the scene. All that for one verse. I can do a whole sermon, I promise. A whole sermon. But let's keep reading. Keep reading. Verse 15. It says, one of them. Somebody say one. One. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. Praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, uh, excuse me, we're, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said, rise And go your faith your faith has made you well our verses of emphasis and our clause of concern for the finale of our planted series lives in the latter part of verse 2 in the gospel of John chapter 14 when Jesus says I've prepared a place then over to verse 15 in Luke chapter 17 Where as they looked at themselves, only one came back. Not all ten, but one. So on one phase, you're praying to God for healing. One season, you start to pray to God for your next. You begin to imagine what it would be like to experience the next version of yourself. What would it be like to not have leprosy? What would that be like? What would it be like to experience the next version of myself. What would it be like to not have to try to hide my flesh because I have leprosy? What would that be like? What would that be like to experience the next version of myself and be whole? What would it be like to not have to quarantine, but I could go to the birthday party? Drive it home, pastor. What would it be like if I didn't have to hide the websites I went to and cleared my history because I have a porn addiction? What would it be like? What would it be like if I didn't have to change his name to a different contact because I'm hiding my affair? That's not Domino's calling you. (laughs) That's not Best Buy calling you that much. Walmart does not need you that bad. What if I didn't have to hide my issue? What if I didn't have to hide that extra revenue by lying on my taxes? Y'all don't want to talk to me. (laughs) See how real the Bible is? What if I didn't have to hide it? What if I didn't have to hide the very thing that I want to be free from? See, y'all think the only people who, who have leprosy are these 10 lepers. All of us have some leprosy somewhere. All of us have something that we don't want anybody else to know about. Something that we don't want anybody to know that we're battling with. There's something in your life and in my life that scripture calls unclean. God wants to wash it, and they begin to dream. What would it be like to experience next? See, they're ceremonially unclean. Even the woman with the issue of blood, she was considered under the Mosaic law as ceremonially unclean. And I began to think about that. Why is it we've been preaching about this woman who has an issue of blood, but nobody knows her name? All we know is her issue. (laughs) Even like I've heard so many sermons talk about Thomas. You know, we call him Doubting Thomas. There was only one episode in the whole Bible where we see that Thomas is doubting. And so we call him Doubting Thomas because that's what man does. We identify people by their issue. Right? Are you going to that church? No, that's the pastor who committed adultery. I'm not going there. That, that's the crackhead Pookie. That, that's the weed man Tyrone. We identify people by their issue, but I think we should pause for the cause just for a second. Is there anybody grateful that God does not call you by your issue, but he calls you by your name? He calls you forgiven. He calls you son. He calls you a royal priesthood. He calls you a peculiar people. We have a lot of issues, but he doesn't call you by your issue. He calls you by your name. These people are considered ceremonially unclean. Now, if you read it, people in the Old Testament who had leprosy are like this woman with the issue of blood. When she touched Jesus, Jesus should have been considered unclean. But Jesus, the embodiment of both testaments, switches it around. I feel this, y'all. Switches it around to where if the unclean thing touches the clean thing, the clean thing makes the unclean now clean because he's a master physician. Y'all catching this? They begin to imagine what would it be like to have next what would it be like to be healed what would it be like to experience the next version of myself but this is what i want to preach to you about today on this afternoon man has never handled next well you know what? one of the common comments i get even from my parents jerry stay humble the church mothers Jerry, God's using you, baby. Just stay humble. Everywhere I go, I love this ministry. Jerry, just stay humble. Why do I keep hearing that? Not only is it a prophetic reminder that God is about to do something great, but it's also there's a resume of people who when they experience next, they lose it. Can we talk? So my concern as we end this series is what if we have been over preaching next? We have been preaching next so much. We've been preaching it's coming so much. Your harvest, oh, it's coming. The million dollars, oh, it's coming. The house is coming. The car, it's coming. The breakthrough, it's coming. Now, somebody slap your neighbor and say, Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I don't know what you're believing God for, but it's coming. The miracle is coming. The harvest is coming. So we come to church and we're like, oh, yes, we knuck and buck, and we talk about church was so great. And when we get next, we don't have the character to maintain it. See that? See? Everybody wants next, but we haven't been taught how to steward next. Why does God give you next? What's the purpose of next? I know the message of this sermon is entitled I've Got Next, but what Jerry is discovering is not just that we have next, but next has us. Talk, Holy Spirit. I believe we have been over-preaching next, but not teaching how to maintain it, how to have integrity, how to have humility. We become like the nine lepers. We get what God has prepared for us, and we forget who gave it to us. And when we preach about next, more than preparing people for next, we have people who want the king's stuff but not the king himself. So we question Jesus when we don't get his things. Instead of viewing him as our everything. This is so good, y'all. And so what this one leper understood was, I dreamed about next. I imagined next. And now that I have next, I'm going to model for centuries after me. What do you do? When God gives you next, you give him worship. See, listen, please hear me. This is the difference between praisers and worshipers. See, because praisers thank God for what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do. God, I thank you for my job. I give you praise. God, I thank you for my health. I give you praise. God, I thank you for my transportation. I give you praise. Worshippers are like, even if I don't have transportation. I wish I had some worshipers in the house. Even if my health is fading, you're still wonderful. Even if I didn't get the position, you're still marvelous. Even if I didn't get the accolades, you're still awesome. Even if I didn't get what I wanted, you're still mighty. God, I worship you for who you are. Worship is thanking God for who he is. It's when you get to this place, family, when you can get on your knees and say, God, if you don't do nothing else, I worship you for being holy. I worship you for being my redeemer. I worship you for being my way maker. I worship you for being my savior. I worship you for cleansing me with your blood. I worship you for being my matchmaker. Because as I look over the course and quality of my life, God has been hooking me up. I worship you. See? See? But when we just preach about next, when you get next, you lose worship. Can I mess y'all up? Can I mess y'all up? Keep asking. There's nobody saying nothing. Can I mess y'all up? Online, can I mess y'all up? What if God is withholding next because he loves you so much that he knows if I give you next, I'll lose you? So I'd rather have you disappointed in me so I can keep you. I'd rather have you disappointed and have you have a prayer life than have you happy and you forget all about me. What if we can't handle next because we're not even handling now? Yeah, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. What are you going to do when you got it though? Hmm. When you have what he's prepared, what are you going to do with it? And maybe God is saying, I love you so much that I'm willing to keep this to keep you. Because if I give you that, I lose you. And I want to spend all of eternity with you. So since I know that if you have that, you only want my stuff and not myself. You only want my hand and not my heart? I will allow you to experience season after season where you never have necks so that you can seek my face. This is so good, y'all. So I believe what we have been doing is telling people how to ask God for stuff. How to fast for stuff how to come to church when he's given you stuff. The pandemic exposed it in 2020 when the doors were closed and we couldn't come and then people had lose, lost their jobs. God isn't good, why? Because you don't have stuff. Your stuff is affected. And because my stuff is affected, see, let me put it this way. When you are used to being a survivalist, the routines of being a survivalist won't serve you in your next. You know why? Because instead of you giving more, you'll hoard. Did y'all hear what I said? I'm used to bare minimum. I'm used to barely having the lights on. I'm used to just enough. I'm talking about when they say how much something is, I got to look at my Bank of America app first. I got, like I'm used to surviving and when I carry that routine over into next, when God says, give, you won't, you hoard because I haven't unlearned that routine. Remember, the power of the problem is in the routine. Jesus says it this way, if I could trust you with little, then I could give you more. But when I have this survivalist mentality, everything I get is for me. Oh, I'm about to feel somebody's toes all under my shoe. You're- your refund check that you got, the first thing you thought about was you. I mean, if you're going to think about you, at least let it be paying off debt. <laughs> like, at least let it be paying off student loans or something like that. But the first thing you thought about was what screen could I get to watch the Super Bowl? What, what purse could I get? Not how could I use this to glorify God. Not, could I, not how could I use this to pay off debt where I could be more free. I I feel you, I feel you. Big toe, all of it. The first thing you think about when you get more is you. It's nine leopard behavior. When I get the next, I forget who gave it. Let's speak around this thought. I've got next. I've got next. Great. I'm glad you got next. I got a whole bunch of gift-wrapped stuff up here to have symbolism for you so that you could constantly see, what if God has all of this next, but he doesn't have your heart? I'm planted. I remember I'm planted. God said, okay, be planted enough to trust me even when you can't trace me. Be planted enough to trust me even when you don't like my pace. Be planted enough that when I give you a promise, you don't create your own Ishmael, but you trust that I'm going to send you Isaac. Are you that planted? Let's say this confession. Can I get everybody to say this and everybody watching online? Put this in the room in all caps. Can I get all of us to say, God, God, give me wisdom wisdom and humility humility to not forget forget you when when I get next. One more time. God, God, give me the wisdom wisdom and humility humility to not forget you you when when I get next. That's a prayer there. Not saying God give me next. No. If I'm gonna forget you, don't give it. Amen. You know a prayer I pray? I say, God, if any stage, any platform would make me lose this intimacy, don't give it. Amen. Don't give it. I don't care how much my, I don't want it over you. Amen. Forget my name. I want to, I want you to know my name. I don't care what people think about me, I want to know you. I opened the front door, and like I shared with Therapy Thursday, there's a mountain of boxes on my porch. Mountain. I didn't know what was going on at first, and then I remembered, oh, my wife and I, we said we're going to start getting the necessary things for Josiah. So I'm seeing all these boxes and car seats and strollers and bassinets. and As I'm carrying the boxes in, John 14 came back to me. He prepares a place for me. Josiah is not even here, but we're preparing for him. Listen, y'all, he already has a room. He has clothes. He has socks, and he's not even thinking about clothes. He's not even thinking about rooms. He's not even thinking about, see, remember the Father says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. I am a flawed, imperfect man. But I'm a father who knows how to prepare for my unborn son. How much more do you think your heavenly father is preparing for you and your destiny? How much more? See, we forget that in God's eyes, it's finished when you started. Did y'all hear me? In God's eyes, it's finished when you started. When he starts walking, we already have his walker. Before it starts in your life, Josiah, it's already done in ours. Before you even begin to get hungry, we already got bottles and and breasts on my wife. We already got them. (laughs) I have everything that you need and want, and you're not even thinking about it yet. Why are we questioning God about next? And we are imperfect and flawed, and we prepare for next for our children how much more does God? And so I was like, okay, we need to come together and discuss for the conclusion of this planted series, this series that has been constructed by the Holy Spirit to get us twofold, to see spiritual results. I don't know what just happened. (laughs) To To see us get spiritual results And then number two, it's been designed to get us to understand you cannot become what you need to be while remaining who you are. You're not planted. You need to be. You cannot become who you need to be while remaining who you are. No, you're going to need to be committed for 2023. See, when you're committed, you make adjustments. When you're interested, you make excuses. But I need you to be committed. I need you to be committed so that you have roots of stability that could withstand the wind of adversity so that you can actually glean from the fruit of your resiliency. Bars. (laughs) I need that. I need you to be committed so that you can get roots, so that you can endure wind, so that you can consume your fruit. Yeah, this time I need you to be committed. I need you to have endurance. You cannot become what you need to be while remaining who you are. I need you to get endurance. Just because it's hard doesn't mean God isn't using it. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean God is not behind it. Because watch this, the side effect of being sold out is hardship. Did y'all hear me? The side effect, this means if you're going to be sold out, this is possibly why we don't have a lot of sold out people. Because the side effect of being sold out is hardship. You don't get more of one thing you do want without also getting more of something you don't want. God, I want the rain, okay? You're going to get more of what you do want along with more of what you don't want. You're going to get mud and thunder. God, God, I want growth. I want my business to grow. I want my ministry to grow. Okay, I'm going to give you more people, but that's going to come with more critics. Because you don't get more of what you do want without getting more of what you don't want. Does this make a sense? God, I want a husband this year. Okay, counterfeits are going to come too. I'm not sending them. This is why I'm talking about this next Sunday. Our new series, Trap House, behind every prayer request is shadowed by a trap. Talk, Holy Spirit behind every prayer request becomes a demonic trap because the enemy wants us to fall for the trap so that we think the prayer didn't work. Does this make sense? You don't get more of what you do want without getting more of what you don't want. You want more muscle? You want to lose weight? You want to put on some more weight to get some more muscle? It comes with sweating and being sore. (laughs) You don't get more of what you do want Without getting more of what you don't want. Hmm. And so many of us, we're missing the next because of what we don't like in the now. We don't like in the now. We can't hear God's voice. You know why? Because our desires have the mic. Not the spirit. Our desires have the mic. Can I go a little deeper? Desires are wonderful when they have the waiter position. They become horrible, though, when they have the chef position. This is so good. See, when your desires are waiters, they serve you what the chef is cooking. (laughs) But when your desires are the chef, your mind has no choice but to consume your lust. Your heart has no choice but to consume your fear because your desires are cooking what you're consuming. Which is why last week we talked about if we could get Jesus at the center though, then he could serve you living bread and tell you, oh, taste and see. Then he could serve you living water and you'll recognize this is better than when my desires were a chef. You don't get more of what you do want without getting more of what you don't want. The magnanimous Opposition to our growth is we don't know how to steward next. We don't. People are scared for me. (laughs) Scared for me. Because there's a history of showing us mankind does not handle next well. We don't handle next well. And so what happens is... We have become Christians, oh, it's about to get real. We have become Christians who want the blessings of being God's child, but we don't want the responsibility of being God's witness. Did y'all hear me? We want the blessings of being a child of God. I don't want the responsibility, though, of being a witness for God. The only reason you get next is for your witness. Yes. Yes. If that was a note, take i out. Write that down. The only reason God gives you next is for your witness. If you don't have a witness, stop asking God for next. The only reason I give you next is so that you can be my witness. But we don't like that. We don't like that. Preach to me about how God wants to give me next. Oh, I'll give tithes then. Preach to me about how God wants me successful. But, but, but don't, don't preach to me or tell me that God cares how you got successful. Did you have to sleep your way to the top? Did you have to stack up your body count to get to, get to the top? Oh, Lord. Did, did, did I have to lie to get successful? Did I, have to, do I, did I have to take the unfair advantage of people to get successful? Did I have to bribe to get successful? Don't preach that, though. Don't preach that, Jerry. Don't, don't, don't preach that because we want the blessings of being a child of God, but we don't want the responsibility of being a witness for God. Yeah, preach to me about my husband's coming this year. Don't, 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 don't preach to me about I sleep with every man that I'm in a relationship with. Don't preach that. So really you are like, your purity, it is conditioned to your relationship status. So I'm pure as long as I don't got a boo or a When I got a man, all that stuff goes out the window. Social media, private, body, public. Get your private settings right. Get your privacy settings right don't preach that though that's judgmental that's judgmental that's legalism i hate pastors talk about that because we want the blessings of being a child of god but we don't want the responsibility of being a witness for god preach to me that i'm a kingdom man yeah i want to hear that i'm a kingdom man i'm a king don't 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 preach to me though that real kingdom men have zipper control huh this is rough don't don't (laughs) preach that Preach to me that I'm a king. This is Sparta. Tell me that I'm a kingdom man. Preach to me about that. I'm coming to the men's conference. I'm a kingdom man. But don't tell me real kingdom men don't throw temper tantrums. When we're angry, we can still speak with self-control. When we don't like something our wife said, we can still have self-government, that we still can speak life into her. Don't talk about that. Just tell me the blessings I'm supposed to get because I'm a child of God. But don't expect me to be a witness for him. See? And I'm trying to help us get it. I'm trying to help us get it. This next is for witnesses only. I don't want people all in my business. I don't, I don't want to. Why, why do you want next? Why do you want next? I'm giving you that. to. Okay. The purpose of Jesus healing these lepers is so that when other people have leprosy, Is somebody getting it somebody getting it It's for the purpose when somebody else get leprosy they can look at you and say how did you get healed? How did your marriage recover? How did you stop going to the hookah bar hookah hookah hookah? hookah. How did you stop? How did you stop passing the cavassier? How did you keep it locked until you got a rock? How did you do that? How did you? Manage when your wife is talking to you some type of way. Still have kingdom character. To so 11 years married in July, I still could say I never cursed at Tanisha. I never disrespected Tanisha. I never laid my hands on Tanisha. She's sitting right there. I'm not lying. Y'all seen pastors preach they face off, but the first lady looking like he don't live like what he preach. Yeah. That sounds good, but he treats me like crap. Yeah. Yeah. How did you do that? The the purpose of next is so that you could tell people how you did it. Is this making sense? Yes. I'm trying to get us to understand God wants to do something so massive in your next. You don't have to tell people about it. They'll just look at you and see it. Yes. Amen. They'll see you don't have leprosy anymore. You'll stop getting invited to happy hour. Yes. It's not because you told them I don't drink that stuff. no more. They could just tell she different now. He's different now. The dudes who crack jokes about cheating on their wife, you won't laugh and they'll start to stop around you. Not because of legalism, but because of your witness. Your your witness. All throughout the fabric of Scripture, we see example after example who does not handle next well. I'm going to show it to you. 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. It says, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, speaking of David, in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. I don't even have time to break this down because God is so cold. The text says he was anointed in the midst of his brothers. Why is that important? Because they got there first. Deidre, you got it. They, They got there first, but the oil didn't flow because they got there first, but it wasn't theirs. So why are you tripping that they turn in the application first? If it's yours, the oil can't flow until you get there. I don't have time to bother that. I want you to see that David in this this moment is anointed to be the king of Israel while Israel still has a king. That's 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh Uh-oh, but let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. We know this story. In the spring, this is verse 1, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out. With the king's men and the whole Israel's army, they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Somebody say out of position. position. One evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his palace. From the roof, he engaged in voyeurism. I'm sorry, that's not what the Bible says. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. (laughs) The woman was very beautiful. You know how we watch porn, right? And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Somebody shout red flag. flag. God will always give you one before you go. All right. Then David, he didn't care. She was too fine. He sent the messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home and the woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I'm pregnant. Oh, Lord. David and got the latex. <laughs> he didn't use latex, so he got that latex. <laughs> it's over your head. <laughs> oh <Over> yeah. <your head. laughs> got that? I'm latex. All right. So, um, what do we see? You got him his flowers. You got it. <laughs> what do we see? David has next. Remember, First Samuel, chapter 16. He's getting oiled about his necks. It's coming. It's coming. When he has next, he's abusing it. I know you're humble in your first Samuel 16, but how are you in your second Samuel chapter 11? I'll give you more Bible. Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, But my Father who is in heaven, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus is saying, Peter, you got a revelation that was downloaded from my Father. And you are going to be an apostle. And I'm going to use you, and you're going to usher in over 4,000 people that's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter, I'm going to use you mightily. Now go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. I love when the Bible just preaches for us. It says, But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. This is Paul. For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when his boys came, some friends of James came, Peter would not eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of the criticism ...from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of everybody. Talk about put on blast. I said to Peter in front of all of them, since you, a Jew by birth, have discorded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile... Why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? What is the Apostle Paul saying? You're two-faced. you Harvey Dent. You know, that's two-faced and Batman. Y'all excuse me. <laughs> You're two-faced. You're one way around them and then another way around them. Remember, next is for your witness. Notice it said that other people who saw his witness started to follow in his hypocrisy. Oh, you dope. You Apostle Peter. Matthew 16. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. When you have next, you mismanage it. I'm going to give y'all more Bible so y'all can see I'm not up here lying. 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. This is Solomon asking God. God came to Solomon asked him a question. And then this is what Solomon says to God. Verse 9, it says, so give your servant a discerning heart. To govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern these great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. Now I'll go to First Kings chapter 11. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, the Hittites, all themites. They were from the nations about which the Lord had told Israel, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. Don't tell me you can't love the wrong thing. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 side chicks. Concubines, excuse me. And his wives led him astray. 1 Kings 3, God, I wanna have discernment when I have next. I want clarity, Pastor. I wanna know your will. (laughs) Then when you get it, you stop coming. Nine leper type of behavior. You're great in your 1 Kings chapter 3, but what about your humility in 1 Kings chapter 11? Now, see, y'all missed this. This is cold. Y'all ready for revelation? Did y'all notice all of the 11s? Did y'all notice David was straight in 1 Samuel chapter 16? But then in 2 Samuel chapter 11, he's mismanaging next. Did you notice that Peter was great in Matthew chapter 16? But in Galatians chapter 2 verse 11, he's mismanaging his next. Did you notice in 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 9? Solomon is asking God for discernment, but in 1 Kings chapter 11, he's mismanaging his next. Let's go deeper. The Tower of Babel, when they were rebelling against God, that's Genesis 11. <laughs> that, that is Genesis 11. You know how many sons Jacob had before his name changed to Israel? Eleven. Give you Bible where you can see this. Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. It says, and he arose that night and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the fort of Jabesh. You know one of the most evil kings, King Jehoiakim? You know how long he reigned in his kingdom? Y'all don't know, so let me go ahead and show the Bible. Okay, um, let's go to Chronicles. Chronicles, put this on the screen for me, Carl. I believe it's 2 Chronicles. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. He did evil... In the eyes of the Lord. You know how long it was supposed to take the Israelites to get from the wilderness to the promised land? Eleven days. Well, once Judas betrayed Jesus and killed himself, twelve went to eleven. I said, God, this is standing out as I'm studying. And eleven means chaos, judgment, or mismanagement. See, ten is law, order, structure, how we have the 10 commandments. The number behind that's the opposite, though. Chaos, judgment, mismanagement. Hmm. So when God is our number one, we good. When he allows us to experience being one, we have 11 type behavior. We mismanage our next. What, what, would, what would I be like? Carl, can we put our chart on the screen? What would it be like for me to teach for us six weeks? You gotta be planted, you gotta have roots, gotta have endurance. You're gonna get fruit and not teach you how to steward when you have fruit. Some of us in here, you will have big ministries, you will have huge businesses. But if we don't have a place that gives us biblical intelligence and spiritual wisdom on how to handle next, we'll be like the nine lepers only wanting Jesus' stuff, but not wanting Jesus for our Interwoven all throughout the fabric of Scripture, we see the heart of man doesn't handle next well. We get arrogant when we get next, unteachable when we get next, cocky when we get next, nobody could tell us nothing when we get next, like we get lazy When we get next, we don't pray as much when we get next. We don't fast as much when we get next. We don't read the word as much when we get next. I know, I know, I know. I can shout. I can get us to be hyped when I tell you God is gonna give you next at the expense of you not knowing how to manage it. Like, are you healed enough for next? Or you feel that you have to flex to prove to all of those, see, back then, didn't want me. Now I'm hot, all on me. (laughs) That's Mike Jones, not kingdom. (laughs) Hmm. Do do you have enough identity in Christ enough for next? Do you have esteem enough in Jesus for next? Because you know when you don't have esteem for Jesus, you won't tell people the truth. And so now you have sugar-coated content so that all of your followers have spiritual cavities. Because you don't have enough confidence to tell people the truth because you risk being rejected. You know, Pastor, I got rejection issues. You risk being rejected so you won't tell them the truth. And whenever their applause gives you life, their rejection will bring you death. I know. solemn atmosphere right now. Yeah, I know. Are you, are you, do you really have enough self-control for next? Or will you having next give you more women that you can sleep with? What are we seeing in our churches? The perverted spirit in the shepherd is permeating in the pews because spirits attract spirits. So instead of the paramedics treating the patients, we have the paramedics infecting the patients. The paramedic is bishop. The paramedic is pastor. The paramedic is that small group leader. We're supposed to help pray for her, not pray on her. You really have enough self-control for next? Do you have enough esteem for next to where you don't have to clap back in the comment section? Because when you're in your calling, you recognize being misunderstood comes with it. This is so good, y'all. Are you really ready for next? And so what God does, I don't want us to be discouraged. God does have next. We just read. He says, I have a place prepared for you. Of course, in heaven, but there's also stuff that he wants us to do in the earth. And God sometimes gives us a dream. Somebody say dream. dream. God will go over to your next and be like, okay, I got this prepared for you. I remember this old school camera. I don't even know why we did this. <laughs> did it work? I don't know. Sometimes we make our own wind of adversity because we're trying to rush God. That's the whole word. So God's like, yeah, I, I got you next. That, that's that dream you keep having at night. That dream you keep on thinking about. That, that idea that you have. Yeah, I know you're going to have next because really sometimes all a dream is is a snapshot of your harvest if you don't faint. That's all it is. Sometimes all a dream is is, hey, I want you to remember I got next for you. So when it gets hard, remember the vision. It's so good, y'all. is so good. When it gets difficult, remember that dream. Some dreams God gave you because he wants you to pursue your next. And it's going to take time. You can't see it right now. But if you stay planted, as you go, as you go, it will be revealed to you. God wants to give you next. It's just we're not taught how to handle it. So why does God give us next? Point number one for your witness. That's it. Anybody who's in prayer for next, God is going to give you this for your witness. If you don't like talking to people, don't pray for next. If you don't like praying for people, don't pray for Next. If you don't like interacting with people, don't pray for Next. If you don't like serving, do not pray for Next. If you do not like generosity, do not ask for Next because that's all a part of your witness. If you don't have healthy apologetics right now, you might need to stop praying for Next and learn him now. So that when you're challenging Next, you won't walk away from the faith because you only were claiming, I want God because of Next, but you don't know him right now. for your witness your witness isaiah 43 verse 10 you are my witnesses declares the lord and my servants whom i've chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that i am he before me no god was formed nor shall there be any after me acts chapter 1 verse 8 but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Houston, Texas, in Dallas, in Las Vegas, wherever you live, in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Acts chapter 22, verse 15. For you will be my witnesses. Are y'all getting the pattern? Yes. You get next to be a witness. Don't want to be a witness? Stop asking for next. That's why you get next. You get more to show off how good God is, not for you to flex. You get more to fix, not to flex. All right. Number two, next is for favor. God never favors a person for that person. He always favors that person for a people. Now, those who I asked to come here, I want you all to come here real quick. Come here, real quick. I got like six minutes. Just come here, real quick. I just want y'all to come here and just space out. Somebody say, favor, favor on, me on me is not for me, it's for, for, for you. One more time favor, favor on, me on me is not for me, it's for, 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 for you. So you should never be jealous because favor on them is not for them, it's for somebody else, and it could be for you. So I want you all to kind of space. Y'all did single file. Just kind of like space out. It could be unorganized. Uh, Torrents, yeah, that's cool. You can stay there. So I, I, want, I want you guys to see this because what, what I'm seeing happen a lot in the church is we project who God is going to give us favor. So because I sing and because Chelsea sings, I think she's going to ask me to feature with her. I give her my, you know, mixtape, whatever you do. I give it to her. Let her listen to it. She has a huge platform. So since she has a huge platform and I'm trying to do what she's trying to do, I think God's going to use her to be my next. See? And so now the person that God could have in your life to model discipline, to model consistency, you feel some type of way towards Chelsea because you projected your favor on her. You said, okay, this is the way God's going to use me to get next, and you have a problem with her, and God's not even going to use her to give you favor. Does this make a sense? I want to show you a real live example in the Bible. John chapter 5, verse 5, it says, one, On one day there was there a man, an invalid, for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he had had this condition for a long time, he asked, to him, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, he replied, I have no one to get me in the pool. And when the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Stop. This man is right here with this mat. Jesus comes and says, Hey, you want to be made whole? And he immediately projects on people why he's not. Did y'all catch it? I have no one. Warren is not pushing me in the water. Chelsea's not pushing me in the water. Tiana's not pushing me in the water. They're not pushing me so I can't be healed because I don't have favor with them. How many of us are blaming others for why you are the way you are? My mama did this. My daddy did this. My ex-husband did this. My ex-wife did this. My pastor did this. So I feel like this. And this is what this man is missing. He's missing... That Jesus literally had to skip Chelsea, Amber, Tiana, Cord, Warren just to get to him. He missed the fact that Jesus bypassed all of them and came to them. I'm trying to preach to somebody who's missing the miracle because you're projecting on others what you think they should do. The person who hurt you is not going to come back and say, I'm sorry. The person who hurt you is not going to be instrumental in your healing. And so you're missing what God wants to do because you're projecting favor on people. It's an appeal to motive fallacy. That simply means I make an assumption about their motive. They could see I'm sitting right here with this mat, And they ain't even helped me. Warren, you right behind me, bro. You could easily just push me on in. So he got a problem with Warren. And the whole time, Jesus is going to heal him. This is so good, y'all. Somebody say favor. favor. The, the, the second reason that God gives you next is for exposure. All right? Now, when Jesus came to him and said, do you want to be made whole? He made all these excuses. The next thing Jesus says is, pick up your mat and walk. So, Torrance, pick it up. Start walking. All of them are exposed to a miracle. Y'all see that? All of them are exposed to what Jesus can do. Exposure. He said, pick up his mat and walk. This is point number four. Why did he tell him to pick up his mat? Humility. So, Torrance, as you walk in, if Chelsea ever gets a mat, you won't judge it because you got one yourself. <laughs> I remember what it used to be like. Let me see the mat because I want you to keep going back and forth. I remember what it used to be like being like this. So I don't judge any brother or sister who's still like this. So next is for me to remember I know what it was like when I was in now and I was praying for next and I'm not cocky because I got a next myself. I got a past myself. I could tell you how I got whole. Last point. Generosity. The only reason God gives you next. I don't even know if I have enough. to see if I'm right. It's so that I could give it away. This is crazy, I didn't even count these. I I could give it away. The reason he gives you next, is so that I could give, Tanisha, I did not know we would have enough boxes for everybody. That's crazy. Come on, Lord. I have next to give it away. The only reason I'm saying this publicly, y'all know I don't ever do stuff like this. The only reason I'm saying this publicly is because it was done publicly. And if you were there, you saw it online, you may have saw it. A few weeks ago, my wife and I were at a conference with uh, Keon Henderson, Michael Todd, Darius Daniels. It was an amazing conference. I was there just supporting, and Keon gets up. He's like, this is the means of the kingdom. Jared Flowers and Tanisha, I'm giving you all $25,000. I was like, wow. Wow. Random. I'm sitting there just like you. I mean, we talk, but he doesn't know that we need buses and we need chairs and all that, I gave all of it to the church. Yay! Am I lying? Tanisha, Am I lying? every single dime. I could have went turned up and on vacation, yo, God is good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Where we, I could have did all of that. And somebody may be like, yeah, but you could probably afford that. When I had 2000 I gave it all to the church. Back in 2018, when all I had was 200 I gave it all to the church. Now, I'm not talking about giving everything I have and I'm broke. I didn't have it anyway, so I gave it. Yeah. I act like I didn't have it anyway. All right, all right. If God could trust me with 200, Ooh. he could trust me with 2,000. He could trust me with 25,000. I'm trying to show you, God, you could trust me with a building, too. <laughs> you could try. I promise I'm going to give it back. I don't share stuff like that to bose flaunt. That's, that's, that's not me. But I want to share that with you because I want to know this question. If God gave you next, who would benefit? I've got next, I know. But if God were to give it to you, how would the kingdom be built from it? If God gave you next, how would Jesus be glorified through it? It's not always money. It could be time, whatever it may be. But I'm seeing this pattern throughout Scripture. We don't know how to handle next. We don't know how to handle next. And so as this series is ending, I want all these people behind me to be a visual representation of what you're supposed to do when God gives you more. Give and it shall be given unto you pressed down, shaking together, and running over. For the measure you use. See, we don't know that part, right? For the measure you use, that same measure will be measured back to you. As this series has ended, look at this. When God gives you next, it's for this, to show him off. Not you. Not you. Maybe that chain that you wear that you like, what if that could be for somebody else? Slaves wear their wealth. I don't have time. I'm done. Y'all can have C. I don't have time. We'll talk about, talk about that later. Warren, just help them off. Torrance Core, just help them walk down for me. You, you wear your wealth. If Jesus would allow you to get the blessing to get next, how would he be glorified with it? You get more time. You work at home now. Good. I can watch my show. Or, <laughs> see, it's not just money, it can be time. What are you going to do when God gives you more? And I want us to see sometimes He loves you so much, I can't give you more because I lose you. God, we're praying that we will be like the one leper that will give you thanks. That will give you worship. That will give you praise. If it'll take us from you, God, we don't want it. Help us to view you as more valuable than anything this world could offer us. Because if it could burn, if it could fade, if it could corrode, if it could rust, it's vanity. If we have to apply it to our body, it's vanity. Forgive us, God, for having a survivalist mentality. I pray for the discipline and wisdom to steward each season well. Six weeks, you spoke to us about being planted. What a beautiful order this series has turned out to be. And as we speak about the last part of being planted, the fruit season, help us to remember... The reason we're fruitful is so that we could be a witness. The apple tree doesn't eat its own fruit and so that others can enjoy what is produced. Help us show off your glory. Help us not be stingy Christians. And forgive us, God, for wanting to be blessed children but not responsible witnesses. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Are y'all toes okay?